I had my computer muted. Sorry. We hear you now. Excellent. I guess this is probably the kickoff of a several week series of podcasts in which we're going to be interviewing musicians involved with uh, who are are booked to play the Wampus Cat Music Festival, which is set for for mid-May at Gross Farms 2, just over the Lee Harnett County line. And um, our guest this week will be, uh, I guess, the, the, the organizer, the promoter, I'm not sure what the title is, but Jeff Popka of Indian Air Records. Jeff, um... Jeff did the Carolina Indie Fest in downtown Sanford this past September, and is they're kicking off Wampus Cat this year. So uh, thanks for, for joining us again, Jeff. How you been? Absolutely. I've been great. I mean, especially compared to last year. So <laughs> <laughs> last year is a little challenging, so it's, it's great to have energy again and to be healthy. Great. Glad to hear it. Well, um, you know, we've written about Wampus Cat. We've had a few stories here and there, but... Um, I mean, just pretend the people listening don't know the first thing about Wampus Cat and and, and explain to them, uh, you know, what it is and, and what they can expect in May. Yeah, it's an open air music festival. It's going to be held on just less than 200 acres of festival grounds at Gross Farms 2, which is technically in Broadway. Mm-hmm. And although Gross Farms itself is in Sanford, so that's a little confusing to some people, but uh it's beautiful grounds. And Gordon, I know you've toured it and saw it. Uh, yeah. I think until people see it, they may not understand exactly uh, what it can and will be. Uh, it's actually, I was just there a week ago, and it's actually even improved a lot more. And I'll be back in a few more weeks to check the progress. But anyway, there's, it's going to be over three days. There's going to be camping on site, uh, parking on site. Uh, approximately 90 acts uh, that that includes some pop-up acts and uh, some bands pulling double duty doing various things but we've got three stages two main stages one's basically country and all its subgenres. one's rock and all its subgenres. Uh, we feature national headliners along with uh, independent acts from all over the country and when we say independent acts, we don't mean ones that are playing in their in their garage or you know our right. backyard heroes. We're talking about emerging independent acts that are are breaking out and uh, out on the road and working and doing uh, what it takes to get done to be noticed. And this is our way of helping them, and it's also our way of building the music community in the Sanford area, like uh, we've been talking about for the last couple of years. So it's also, it's a partnership between Gross Farms and Indiana Air Records, and uh, we think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Do you want to talk about some of the the, the bigger names that have been announced? Sure. Uh, on the countryside, we got Thompson Square, uh, Stephanie Quayle. We just announced Maggie Rose the other day, uh, the Swan Brothers, uh, Tyler Reese Tritt, we just announced today, this morning, uh, Josh Daniel Band, Cliff Wheeler Band, of course, uh, Cliff Wheeler Band, although you may think of him as regional because he's from Lemon Springs, but uh, he's actually, he's been touring around the country as well. On the rock side, we've got Everclear, Lit, Sister Hazel, well, when is this airing? 
we'll we'll publish it um, probably this afternoon. That's okay. I'll just I'll make this an exclusive. All We're right. announcing Sister Hazel officially Friday. Excellent. <laughs> so excellent. You just got to you just got to break. Uh, J.R. Richards, who is uh, the front man from Dishwalla, and uh, he actually owns all the rights to Dishwalla's music. So he's going to be playing tunes from Dishwalla and some of his noon stuff. There's new stuff. Uh, awesome. He's coming from the UK to play there. And then we yeah. got the, some of the bands that we brought that were really popular at Carolina Indie Fest. We're bringing back too because they've developed a fan base yeah. in your region. Uh, Nitro Nitra specifically, Hope Darling. And then we got some other nationals that have toured the world like the Steepwater Band, uh, Native Sons out of Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, we got a band, a uh, pop band out of uh, Lexington, Kentucky, that was the pop artist of the year in Lexington in 2021, okay. Rags and Riches. So there may be some names you don't recognize, but I'm telling you, they're good. All of them. And as you keep sort of running these plays with, um, you know, Wampus Cat, is, this is expected to be the first the first Wampus Cat, but not the last. And you're doing Carolina Indie Fest. As you sort of keep doing these, we're going to see artists coming back is that, is that something you anticipate absolutely uh especially if if they're really developing a fan base there we want to encourage that you know so right uh some you'll see more than than others uh like cliff wheeler band he's he does basically everything we do so yeah he's from there so he's going to be playing that forever and ever and we got other people from the area too like john norris Mm -hmm. uh, who's an emerging country artist and a great singer songwriter. Uh, so it's, we want to bring in bands from other areas so they can develop relationships and network with these bands. And then they can help each other year round, uh, getting gigs and this and that. And as you mentioned, this is year one for Wampus Cat, which is the toughest. Uh, this is probably the toughest festival I've been putting together at, coming out of the pandemic and now we've got the war uh yeah. there's yeah so it's just like one thing on top of the other but you know what music brings people together it's positive it's 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 welcoming to everybody and politics gets left at the gate you mm -hmm. know and uh everybody just enjoys music and there's there's just none of that stuff and so it's a great opportunity to get out and enjoy yourself, whether it be for the entire weekend, you want to camp there or just come out for the day. But uh, we're very, we kind of see our vision is we kind of see it like the Firefly of the Southeast, uh, the yep. Firefly Music Festivals out of Dover, Delaware. It They have less than 200 acres. We have just less than 200 acres and they draw 90,000 people a year now. Wow. So they started, it's just kind of grown since 2012 and we ex anticipate the same kind of growth. Hey so, Jeff, this is Billy. Um, hi Billy. So the, uh, so this, this festival, um, it, it's not a spinoff of Carolina Indie Fest, but I imagine Carolina Indie Fest for you was kind of a, um, was kind of a test run to see what something like this, if it could, if it could succeed here. And so um, I went to uh, Indie Fest last year. I had a great time. Um, you had some great acts there. How do you think it went? Well, I think it went great. Uh, for a first-year festival to draw 12,000 people over two days, uh, I thought it was you know, fantastic. And we got a lot of great feedback from it. 
uh, not just from our artists, but from the town itself. So we're, we're very pleased with that. Uh, you know, Wampus Cat is Carolina Indie Fest on steroids. Yeah. That's how I well, look at it. So, and I'm, I'm just, I'm amazed at the scope of, of what you're, you're planning um, with this concert, not, not just the number of bands, but the, uh, the quality of bands that you're bringing in. Um, what, uh, what, what makes you confident that, uh, that this is going to, I mean, not only work, you know how to put on a concert, but that it's going to, to draw people what you're, um, you were confident about Indie Fest and, and it worked. Why, why are you confident about this? The exploding region that you guys are located in. Uh, it's one of the top growing regions in the country. And uh, us putting our footprint right there, we just think it's it's a fantastic fit. You're close to the uh, the interstate. It's easy for everybody along the East Coast to get there. Uh, you know, we have a lot of bands from up East, like Philadelphia, Delaware, uh, Baltimore, uh, you know, Baltimore and Washington, D.C. and Virginia. And uh, I can go to South Carolina. Those are all easy drives to Sanford. They really are. You're only talking a few hours or half a day. Uh, we think we can draw from throughout uh, that whole region. Can you talk a little bit about ticket information? I um, I, I know that you post stuff from time to time on your personal Facebook, but you know, this is different than Carolina Indie Fest. That was a free event. Anybody could come downtown and, and take it in, but this is a festival. It's on private property. People need to get tickets. Um, and you even referenced something that I, you know, I wasn't, I hadn't given much thought to, but with, with festivals, ticketing is something, you know, you get tickets early. So how do people do that? How's it looking so far? And do you have any other insight you can share about, you know, that specific, part of this yeah i mean we've sold hundreds of tickets it's mm -hmm. not in the thousands yet uh we anticipate once radio kicks off uh that that's really going to increase we signed a deal just we finalized it yesterday with iheart media okay uh that's going to have a presence at the festival and uh we we anticipate drawing well from winston-salem and greensboro area which is another market and it's only an hour away that has, you know, a couple hundred thousand people in that metro area, yeah. uh, let alone Raleigh, Durham, and, and all that. But, you know, we're our advertising is going everywhere. We've already done some advertising in Virginia and also in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, so ticketing, we're cheap. <laughs> it's year one, we're cheap. And by cheap, you know, with the quality of acts, the number of acts and everything going on, a general admission ticket right now is $49. Oh, wow. Um, if you compare that to uh, Firefly, Firefly starts at $299 for a general admission ticket. Our VIP starts right now is at $150. Uh, Firefly starts at $739. Uh, they actually have a super VIP at $2,699. Festival goers will travel. They'll travel yeah. around the country uh, with our national acts like Everclear and Lit and Sister Hazel. People will drive from all over the, the country to see them. And our prices are cheap. I was and right say. now, St. Patrick's Day special running two for one general admission tickets. Okay. Through the and, weekend. And and this so, is all at, at Wampus is the website's Wampus, Wampuscat Music Fest.com. 
Musicfestival.com. Wampuscatmusicfestival.com. I was going to say, I think yes. I paid more than $49 20 plus years ago to see Black Sabbath at Ozfest, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> so, to account. Oh, for, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, if you go see Everclear by themselves in a theater, you're probably going to pay, you know, at least 60 some dollars just for that. Right. Uh, you know, and that would be the cheap sheet uh, seats. Right. right. Hey, um, I want to ask you about Everclear. I, I'm a. I went to college in the '90s. They were kind of in my, in my growing up wheelhouse. Um, them along with, uh, I guess, Lit was a little bit later, and then mm-hmm. Sister Hazel was '90s. These are, you know, these are pretty big names. How, um, without without giving away the secrets of the trade, um, how would you get a band like Everclear to, to come out here? How did I get them? Well, you know, (laughs) we're established. You know, we spent 10 years at South by Southwest. Uh, People know who we are. We're we're within the industry. We're recognized as one of the bigger indie platforms around the country when it comes to putting on events. And uh, I'd like to think that that's helped us a lot, just our uh, reputation. I also worked with bigger acts prior to the whole South by stuff uh, when I ran the fairgrounds in Lake County, Indiana. So a lot of these relationships were were made in Austin. You're saying there's a yeah, and yeah. a lot of them have uh, developed over the years. Okay, and including people, mean- you know, people that we started working out with, you know, working there. A lot of them have grown in the industry, and just those relationships open doors as well. Yeah, and I, I didn't mean to to make it sound like how how did they get to how did you get them to play for you? Well, I guess what I meant was for a first time event. Um, I hypnotized them in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so I yeah. hypnotized them and it, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's well, pretty cool. Jeff, I did have something I want to ask you. I don't know if this is going to be a surprise. My wife uh, sent me a screenshot of your Facebook yesterday where you announced <laughs> that you'd be joining us uh, for this interview. And you said, you mm-hmm. don't know why, because you're a really shy guy. I don't have much to say about my festivals. I'll probably be awake all night in fear of being socially awkward. Did you get any sleep? <laughs> No, <laughs> I was terrified. And when I did sleep, I had night terrors. Yeah. 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 No, you, this is, I think you're probably your second or third time, easily your third second. time on the podcast. Okay. Second. Second. But yeah, yeah. We've, um, I, I think it's cool that the rant's been able to develop a little bit of a relationship with you guys' organization. And, um, it's funny because, you know, just the year prior to you doing, announcing Carolina Indie Fest and, and now Wampus Cat, we had, we had an edition, I want to say October, 2020, that was all about, you know, the many talented artists who've, who've come out of Sanford. And um, I just think it's cool that I'm probably too old to know any of them now, but these events, there are kids who may be interested in music and can come to them and see and, and say, wow, that's something I could do. And it just, it it builds um, it builds the music scene and the idea that music can be successful in this area, and I really appreciate it. Well, thank yeah. you, and and I agree. And uh, that's one thing we've uh, aligned ourselves with the School of Rock and Carry, and we're okay. going to have the kids out to perform on Sunday morning. So before the you know the the main bands kick off they were going to perform there, but you know, that's what it's about. It's about giving them that taste of what it's like to play a festival, what it's like to be on with good, great production, I should say. 
and uh, it inspires them. And that's what we want to do. We want to inspire people. You know, I see music as the bridge that brings everybody together. And as divided as our country is, this and that, I believe in it even further. Uh, it just inspires me more to keep pushing it. Yeah, absolutely. A lot, a lot of these bands are are just now getting back to live music after a couple of years of, uh, you know, having to to stay home. And back at Indie Fest, Gordon and I were um, got to talk to Nitro Nitra, who put on just a absolutely a hell of a show. And um, and I would say we even kind of geeked out getting to meet her afterward. But she had talked to us on the podcast about how um, these festivals were. You know, she's new, and these were these were her chance to to get her music out and get her name out. And uh, I can imagine. Um, she's kind of on an up, upward trend right now. So you have the established names, but you also have a lot of people that are looking at um, things like this as a big break for them. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of it, but Nitro Nitra is going to uh, premiere on the NBC new uh, songwriter series that debuts March 21st. She was oh, wow, selected. Wow. She was selected to be on there. So yeah, a lot of these artists are close to breaking where well they'll become more recognizable and she is absolutely one of them yeah she's great yeah a lot of these artists that we interviewed last year in the lead up to indie fest <laughs> and, and i'm sure this is going to happen with our series for wampus cat like you know we interviewed them i i wasn't familiar with them before but we interviewed them i checked out their music i watched them play at indie fest and you sort of follow them and you you learn more things about them and you're like wow these are these are legit bands that are that are really out there doing it and it's just cool that you're bringing them here it really is yeah well i appreciate it you know they they face so many obstacles and and not just over the last two years but you know people tend to write off new music or they say oh music isn't as good as it used to be and blah 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 yeah. blah blah that's just laziness you, you know there's know where to so look. much yeah exactly there's so much great music out there and it's not all on spotify it's really yeah. not, you know, Spotify, uh, is, I have nothing good to say about Spotify, uh, <laughs> what it does to artists and how they make billions of dollars off of the artists while the artists make pennies. We're here to help the artists and, uh, and move everything along. It music's like every industry. It's been somewhat corrupted and, uh, we're trying to battle all that, you know, it just imagine me telling my wife, uh, Oh yeah. You know, I know there's a pandemic, you know, I know I had open heart surgery. Oh, and now there's a war, but you know, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you're, you're, you're not yeah. wrong about Spotify. I have my little, uh, my little hobby recordings, um, on Spotify. You know, the, the best way is to, to get it to benefit me would be Bandcamp. but you look at the, the, the service that you use to push it to these streaming services and you get like, it's not not like I care because I'm not doing this for money, but I think I get like a fraction of a cent for every three or four plays that I get on a streamer like Spotify. It's ridiculous. Yep. And like I said, I don't care. It's money I'm spending to do this and have it out there. But for an artist that's actually worried about making a living, that's that's pretty brutal. Yeah, they're really they're not selling music. Music has become the hook to sell merchandise and tickets for live shows. That's yep. the only way they're getting paid. Yeah. 
So that's the way to support artists nowadays is to buy their shirts or whatever and go see them live. Great. Well, Jeff, as always, I appreciate you coming on and we're looking forward to talking with some of the artists. We're looking forward to being there at the festival. Um, just can't say say enough about how cool it is that you're doing this. So appreciate you joining us. It was great being on and whew, it's over with. I can get some <laughs> sleep tonight. <laughs> So it's been a while since we podcasted. What's uh, what's going on, guys? Oh, well, I should have had an answer prepared for that. I, I don't. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> moving along, getting older, and uh, yeah. So I yeah, have no we, good answer. We presented to the one of the Rotary clubs in Sanford yesterday, Billy and I, and we saw uh, one of our former colleagues from the Sanford Herald, and what she had to say to us was. Look at all that gray hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something that I did not expect when, when we decided to start a newspaper is that we would have to go speak to um, local clubs like Rotary and Kiwanis. And last year, Gordon and I stood in front of the, the Carolina um, Trace Women's Group, which um, of all of them, that was the most intimidating. I thought because we, we walked into a, a large ballroom and before us was about you know 50 to 70 um women who uh some of them knew a lot about us some of them knew nothing about us and um it was bad enough that we had to speak in front of that many people but then we had no we had, we didn't have the proper connections to be able to show our slideshow presentation to go with it so we just kind of had to wing it for about 30 minutes and uh um as as much as I've done it, I still do not like public speaking and to have to do public speaking when not all of your materials are with you is even worse, but I thought we did well. And I thought, uh, I thought with uh, yesterday with Rotary went well, we got another one coming up with Kiwanis and um, surprisingly people want to know what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we got to where we got. And uh, um, what's even more surprising is we've been doing the rant now for, several years but we've been doing this printed version of it for three years and at every one of these we run across people who have never heard of us and um and are interested in learning more about it so i I guess that makes these these little trips worth it then but uh um i'm not saying i'm surprised that they've never heard of us because i think we're big time or anything but i don't know if i've lived somewhere for three years and i'm not aware of a a publication um I would, I would be surprised by that. Right. Richard, I see you got a uh, little feline helper there today. Yes. She's reminding me about politics. Talk politics, talk politics. She keeps telling me. (laughs) So (laughs) that's my cat luminette. Well, she's a, she's a, she's a pretty one. Um, But you, speaking of politics, you, uh, you delivered a, a, a pretty fascinating story to me yesterday afternoon that I was able to put onto the website last night and um that's regarding the the GOP chairman Jim Womack's uh address to the board of commissioners recently and and the fact that his request was his request for access to the voting machines is not allowed under law do you want to talk about that story a little bit it was an interesting story and uh it came about uh, during the 
the March 7th meeting of the commissioners when uh, Mr. Womack uh, got up during the public comment section and he had several things that he wanted to uh, say during his allotted three minutes. And one of them was uh, he was complaining about the fact that he was not allowed access to the county's voting machines and, and the elections office for these training videos that he wanted to create. And that just struck me as being a, a really odd request to make. Um, so um, we started asking around a little bit and, and making some inquiries and um, contacted, uh, you were able to get some emails, I think from um, the county office that went back and forth uh, about uh, what happened uh, prior to that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it turns out that um, apparently Mr. Womack had, um, had uh, made an, um, a prior inquiry of the county commission chairman, uh, Mr. Smith, uh, to direct the board of elections to give him access to those machines. And uh, the county manager uh, stepped in and said, no, that's not something you're permitted to do by law. Um, and then in the meantime, the, uh, the, of course, the County Board of Elections had said, no, you can't have access to that. And just to make sure they were on good legal ground, they contacted the State Board of Elections and asked for a legal opinion, and uh, which they received last Friday um, in a, a, length, a lengthy email. Uh, and there were just all sorts of, of uh, grounds for not, uh, not doing that. Uh, but it was just a, a, a fascinating kind of, uh, you know, the more, more you look at local politics, the weirder it gets. Yeah. Uh, and um, it was just fascinating that a local party chairman would, would want to get his hands on voting machines. That's just, uh, it just defies uh, belief for me. And, and apparently it does for some of our readers as well, looking at some of the comments that were on the, um, on the page this morning. Right. Well, you said the, the closer you look at local politics, the weirder it gets. I think you picked the perfect community to move to <laughs> for, for that. Uh, so his reason, his reason for doing it is he wanted to, and you said this, but he want. I'm just trying to wrap my brain. He wanted to make a training video a for conservative groups and for um, for I guess people who would eventually be uh, election monitors or I don't know poll what the term for it is watch poll watchers. Correct. He wanted to make a video to I guess show them what to watch for. Why was he so adamant about having actual voting machines and? Uh, it's obvious why he was denied, but what what is the worry there? If um, if he did have access to voting machines, a why did he want the voting machines? B what could go wrong if he did have voting machines? Well, you know the the security of election machines has has been an issue long before the twenty twenty election. Um, this the state law regarding the security of of voting equipment has been on the books for all, for a number of years. Uh, but during the, uh, and just after the 2020 election, there were a number of groups across the country that wanted to get access to those voting machines because they made claims that they uh, um, 
that they had been rigged, that modems had been installed, that somehow uh, votes had been deleted or votes had been added and, and those kind of things. You know, as to what Mr. Womack had planned to do with those machines, uh, you know, he didn't say that. And, you know, one can only speculate as to what, you know, what he planned to do with them. Is it, and this is just me guessing or throwing things out there. Is it, is it possible that he knew he would be denied and this is a preemptive strike against uh, voter, uh, uh, what's the term, voter, uh, uh, I don't know, is this a preemptive strike against fair elections where if, if things don't go their way, they can say, well, you know, we didn't get to see the voting machines. There's no telling what, what, um, what they did to them. I, I, I just, I have to think that he knew going in, he would not be given access to these and that knowing, <laughs> knowing Womack as I have for several years now that there's something else to this. And uh, that's just me. You'd have to, off the top you, of my know, head there. <laughs> you know, just uh, a reasonable person would be able to, would be able to come to the conclusion. I think that a local political party chairman would know that they would not be able to have access to voting machines under any set of circumstances, and certainly not for the circumstances that he described. So, being um, denied. Um, what it does is it riles up his base, you know? Well, of course they won't give you access to machines, of course, because, you know, Biden is, is putting, uh, is, is, has it to where every democratic vote counts triple now. And of course they won't show us that. And I just, I got to think he knew that he would be denied and that there's something else to this. Well, we it may also, well be, you know, it's uh, it, it, the same thing happened in the in the 2020 election. Uh, you know, uh, President Trump had said uh, before the, you know, before the voting took place, uh, you know, to a year before that, you know, they're going to try to steal this election. You know, if we lose, it's because not because we lost, it's because they stole it from us. So, you know, if you plant those seeds of doubt ahead of time, you know, you know, uh, people start believing it and. Right. I think I've, you know, and, you know, I forget who said this, but somebody said the bigger the lie, the more people will believe it. And, um, you know, I, I just, this whole thing is just, uh, was mind blowing when I first heard this. Uh, and I was just sitting there when he said it and, and I was like, are you kidding me? You, you actually thought you were going to get your hands on those voting machines? Well, and uh, those emails that we were able to get, uh, one from the county manager to the county commissioner chairman, Commissioner Smith, where, you know, Dr. Crumpton laid out the legal basis for saying that, you know, there's no legal way to grant this request. First of all, the commissioners can't do it. They have no authority. And second of all, the the Board of, board of Elections isn't going to allow it because the State Board of Elections makes it clear that you know, they don't they don't want these machines in anybody's hands except for the, the legal custodian of them. Now, that that email was not to Mr. Womack. That was to Commissioner Smith. But that's right. Again, reasonable people could assume that that was that was communicated then back to Womack. And um, knowing all those things makes it look like a little bit of political theater to me. Mm -hmm. It really does. 
And, you know, the other story we had the week before that, which was the, um, for lack of a better term, I think, the, the trial that took place of the, the right. local uh, chair of the school board, uh, who was a Republican and who was brought in to Republican headquarters and was uh, tried, if you will, on four counts of uh, disloyalty to the party. And she was found guilty on three of those four. And as a result of that, she um, was uh, at will face formal censure from the party. And she's going to be um, not, she won't have the support of the local Lee County Republican Party for the next three years. And of course, she's up for reelection two years from now. And that's, you know, the point of the three years. So, um, yeah, you look at what's happening in, in Lee County politics, um, especially on the Republican side, um, you know, it's, uh, um, it keeps me busy just, just trying to, to report what all the, you know, about all the crazy things that are going on. Uh, but you kind of wonder uh, about what's going on and what's the purpose of all this. And, you know, is there a, a grand scheme, you know, and, um, it's obvious who the man behind the curtain is, but the question is, is what's he doing and what's, what's he planned to, to gain from it? Well, you're, you're doing a great job keeping track of all of it. So your, uh, your, your, your reporting is getting a lot of views and like you referenced, uh, a lot of people are, you know, responding to it and leaving comments. So it's fun, but you know, I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of like uh, Jess said a minute ago, I'm about afraid to go out in public, you know, and, and eat in a restaurant, you know, because, <laughs> Because of all of this. You get used to it.